All right, what is up, team? Welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined by Lindsay Parker, better known as Lifting Lindsay, at least to me. Um, Lindsay, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, I'm excited to be on. So for the listeners who might not know, can you just give us a quick background on who you are and what you're up to? Yes. So um, Lifting Lindsay, that's how most people know me. And uh, I grew up in a running family. If you did not run, were you even an athlete? But (laughs) the problem is, is I sucked at running. So, (laughs) and I didn't seem to enjoy it as much as everybody else. But what's interesting is I had like such a different body type than my brothers and sisters, like, like totally different. So they ran and they looked so fit and strong. And I ran and I just looked like toothpicks. I don't know. So that was always frustrating for me that I never looked the part. And then I played basketball and volleyball, but I never looked the part of the athlete. Actually, if you've seen me, I have actually much more of like a ballerina type build. And I didn't want that. I wanted to be strong. So um, I had a back injury that couldn't, I could no longer run. And I had a doctor tell me like, you're not that I had like any type of running days, but he pretty much said your running days are over. And, um, and so I had to turn to my husband finally convinced me, you will not look like a man. If you lift weights, I was convinced I would have these like traps, like a man. And for some reason, yeah, I just, I was convinced of it. So he finally convinced me to give um, lifting a chance, but then I realized that the way I lifted was very different from the way other people, like the way I looked when I squat, how come it, how come it didn't look like the books, right? Mm-hmm. And so it sent me down this path of, because my body is not Like I have these really long femurs. I'm all legs, long femurs, short torso. I just did not have the normal lifting body, but, but I'm kind of grateful for it because it set me down this path of discovery with biomechanics. And I started diving into that and pretty soon traveling around going to any type of coursework on biomechanics that I could to learn why people squat differently, like, mm-hmm. and how we can optimize lifting per person. And th- so that's kind of where my specialty has landed me is, um, yeah, biomechanics and just, and then um, on that path program design, because everybody, everybody is so different and everybody's goals are so different. So that's, that's me in a nutshell and what I do. Okay. I love it. And I think I originally found you through in one education somehow. And for the listeners, Cody Moxley, who was on literally the last interview that we had, Cody Moxley was on. I think you might, you might have worked together actually. correct. So Cody was my coach for a while. Can I even add anything? If he's already been on, <laughs> do I <That's> even dare? <laughs> <laughs> you have, you have a ton of value to add. Um, I, I take so much. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say sandwich somebody in between us. <laughs> I love no. Yeah. So N1, I discovered them their first year that they really launched their coursework. So I'm, I'm kind of one of the first, I'm one of their first coaches 
And I've stuck with them because of the value that they bring to the fitness industry. Um, it's been incredible. And Cody is a coach, Kasim, Cody Moxley, Adam shows his face once in a while. These coaches are, they're, they're brilliant. Yeah. I've loved uh, mentoring with them. And one thing I really appreciate about you and why I wanted to have you on is I know for like the first podcast that I did with Cody. So I, he's been on twice, such a smart dude, so much to bring. But I know there were some times even like during that where I was like, okay, let me, I'm going to have to think about what you just said after the podcast to figure that out. <laughs> Whereas one thing that I really admire about you is like, okay. So I imagine you get the same, a lot of women that hop on board, their pr- complaint is so like a lot of women that will start coaching their complaint is, Hey, like I've been working very hard in the gym, but it's not reflected in my physique. Like, and I remember even like this, is how I originally came across and one was like the same thing. Like, okay, I squat and I squat and I squat. Why are my quads growing? And then it's like, okay, well, there's so much more nuance to all these things. And so again, like one of the biggest reasons I want to have you on, and I really want to talk about physique development for women and your philosophies around nutrition and training is because I feel like you do such a good job of bridging the gap between, okay, there are these very, very complex topics. Now here's how, here's how you actually apply it. And like, okay, cool. That clicks. Like I know even from so many of your posts that I've seen, like so much has even clicked for me. Like, oh yeah, that's like such a good way to explain that where it's very digestible as well. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That does. That does. Definitely. Cool. So let's go ahead and dig into it again. This kind of how you go about coaching women that are really coming from where you were originally coming from, where it's like, hey, like I'm doing the things you m- I might even be like, hey, I'm squatting. Maybe I am like lifting heavy weights, but I'm not seeing the results. So um, what do you say there are a few most common mistakes that you see the women you're coaching making when they're trying to develop a great physique. Yeah. Oh, I love this. We could have like a two hour conversation just about this, but I'll sum it up with the things that I see the most often. So I would say when it comes to nutrition and training, the number one mistake that girls make is that they, they don't eat enough for their goals. So, and I think a lot of times their goals are misaligned. So what I mean by that is, um, they'll, how how can I say this? So I guess this is a better way to say it. Girls try to stay too lean and build at the same time. They just do. They're obsessed with it. And, and, and another thing that kind of throws them off and makes them think that they can is they compare themselves to men. So where men can stay leaner and have great hormonal health and build leaner women don't get that benefit they're they're not going to stay stage lean and build they're not even going to stay close to that kind of lean and build and i i hear that so often i want to lean build oh so you want to take forever to build muscle and then the entire time you're complaining about the tiniest little fluctuation of weight but yet, so so you want to build muscle, but you don't want the scale to move up. P.S. Muscle weighs. There's weight to it, so we're we do want the scale to move up. No, no, no. But I don't. I don't want it that. I I don't want to put on any body fat, but I want to build muscle. So I want to do these lean mini builds. And I'm like, oh, you've been sold a bunch of crap online. That's what you've been sold. Like I get so annoyed about it. It's like 
And it's because there are these women who have great physiques naturally. And they'll be like these proponents of these like lean builds and of these mini builds where girls are building for four weeks. And I'm like, that's not a build. You don't, you don't build in four weeks. That's, that's insane. And I can say this and I can be really harsh in saying it because I want girls to know that I have been there and I have done all of the stupid things, all of the stupid things that you think are brilliant that are actually really stupid. I too thought that they were like brilliant. They gave me everything I wanted. I got to keep my six pack, but I got this idea that I was going to grow. I, it sounds great. Doesn't it? Who doesn't want to do that? And guys can guys can. So girls think that they can, when we really can't girls actually need a little bit more body fat um, than men, even to relatively speaking, even for hormonal help. So then when we want to push into a build, we do tend to put on more weight than guys during builds. Um, so I, I would say that's the number one thing. Girls sit in diets way too long. They live in diets. They never go back up to maintenance. They never do a true build. They do these really lame four week mini builds and they're so excited about it. So thrilled about it because some Instagram person who actually knows nothing about building muscle sold them on this great idea. And it feels good, sounds good, but it actually is not going to get you on the trajectory that you want to. You got to lean into getting into maintenance and getting over maintenance into like build calories. Um, I, I say it like this, like if you want to build a house, I, I feel like this is what girls do. They want to build a house, but they in order to build a house, you need a lot. Yes. You can go to that lot and you can work as hard as possible, but if you don't have supplies to actually build a house, you're not going to build anything. You're just going to show up and you're going to run around and every day you're going to wonder why isn't my house getting built? Well, because you don't have supplies to build a house. So you need supplies to build muscle. You need a calorie surplus to build muscle. And, and in a calorie surplus, you're going to put on body fat and let's not cry about it. Let's just accept what it is so that we can get to our end result. We put on some body fat, we put on some muscle, we get into a calorie deficit again, we shed down that body fat and we maintain that muscle. That's how it's done. That is how it's done. Unless you want to take four or five years to build what somebody else is going to sacrifice and lean into that build to do in six to eight months, you decide five years, six to eight months, you decide. So that is, I would say one of the things that holds women back the most is this desire to stay lean and get it. They, they want their cake and eat it too. (laughs) But, um, so that's one of them. And I don't know if you've seen that, but that's hard to coach around. No, absolutely. And I love the way you framed it. Like, hey, do you want to get there in eight months or do you want to get there in five years? Because I, I almost look at it as it's kind of like what's most instantly gratifying is this idea of, okay, I'm lean building. But really, you're actually going to get to where you want to be long term. Like a year from now, you're going to be a lot further behind if you're always trying to just stay super lean and build at the same time. Then if you just are okay with, hey, I want to get a little bit, I'm going to get a little bit fluffier for a while. But then like once I cut again, I'm going to have so much more lean muscle 
to show for this. So I, it, it, that's such a good way to put it. Um, I love that. And then the idea of the scale as well, like, Hey, the idea here is literally for you. Like the goal here is for you to get heavier at any given body fat percentage. Like I think I've almost found that's a whole different, that's like a whole different thing to typically tackle where it's like, okay, I'm building, I'm on board with this. But then when we see the scale going up, it's like, Oh shit. Like, well, this isn't what I want, but it's like, no, it is what we want. Right. Like it's exactly what you wanted. You just didn't right. know what you wanted. Right. So, and that's, again, go ahead. Any, anybody who's seen, I hate, I hate before and after pictures. I think that they're really just like, I, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of them, but if you've gone to my Instagram account and you've seen my before and after picture, my before picture was like 119 pounds and I looked skinny fat. I had a belly. I had no glutes. I had no legs, no arms, no back, nothing. 119 pounds. Okay. I weigh 130 now. And it's like, I have fl- a flat stomach. I have glutes. I have delts. I have, and, and 130 pounds. And if a girl is fixated on the scale, if I was fixated on the scale, I would say, Oh, I failed. I failed because now I weigh way more. But anybody who looks at those pictures would be insane to say that that's a failure. But then also girls think this, they think that they know how I got there. Well, I got there by restricting my food 24 seven. I never felt fluffy. She never felt fluffy. That's just me. She never felt that way. She stayed lean. She never was fat. She never did this and this and that. It's like, no, 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 no. There is a huge, you are looking at the tip of the iceberg and you're making some radical assumptions about how I felt, how hard it was, how I pushed into the fluff, how I had to buy new pants because when I was building, I couldn't, I couldn't button my pants anymore. I have building leggings and I have cut leggings now. Actually, my cut my cut leggings are now uh, because my goals are to build my glutes and I, uh, my legs a little bit more. So now I've like, I'm no longer extra small. I'm small. Like, and my building leggings are now mediums and, and girls make all these assumptions because they compare their private life, body feelings to other people's public. And it, one, it's not fair to you. It's not fair to the individual. Um, to make all those assumptions. It's not fair to me that people are comparing their private to my public life. Mm-hmm. And so I try really hard to be very real in my approach on Instagram. Like right now, I'm not, I don't, I'm not the leanest I've ever been. I don't see my delts like I used to. I, it, there's, there's these things that I'm sacrificing because in a year when I cut down, I really want to have glutes and hamstrings. That hamstring curl is gorgeous on girls. Like, and I want to have bigger delts, but I have to sacrifice just like somebody would have to sacrifice in a cut. You have to sacrifice. You want to see that body fat come off. You have to sacrifice um, saying no to yourself, saying no to your family, saying no to, you know, saying yes to feeling hungry. You have to make these sacrifices. And they think that a build, there's not going to not going to be any sacrifices that have to be made either. And that's not the case. Whenever you truly want your body to change, sacrifices have to be made. You have to tell yourself no. 
the no of what you want in the moment. You have to be able to say that. If you can learn to tell yourself no, and then not feel a need to have to explain your life choices and goals to other people, you are setting yourself up for a spot to really achieve whatever you want in your life, whether that's physique or not. That's my tangent. I'll step off my soapbox. <laughs> I feel like that's, I feel like we get almost in the podcast right there. That's like a mic drop moment. Uh, I love all that so much. Um, I'm fired up now. Cool. So <laughs> man. Um, yeah, I think in essence for most people, it is very much like dieting is almost like the comfort zone. Whereas people look at it as like dieting is like the harder thing. But for most people, it's like what's really uncomfortable and what's really needed to lean into, like you said, is hey, let's not diet for six or eight months. And that's where all the results lie. I think you absolutely crush all that. Um, any other most common mistakes you see women making? Yeah. So if we want to get into talking about training a little bit, this is a great, this is where women fail big time. Because, and, and it's important to understand that there is training and that there's working out. Okay. Working out is doing whatever your heart desires in the gym. You go in, you want to bounce around. You want to go to all those classes. That's great. That's wonderful. I, I, I think that's great for somebody who wants to do that, who just feels the need to get in and move their body. It can be extremely therapeutic. It's wonderful. It has its benefits. Now, when you want to see very specific, when you want to see very specific changes to your body, this is where now you are actually entering, entering the world of training. You're leaving this world of working out, bouncy, bouncy, whatever you feel like in the moment. When you have specific goals, now you leave that world and you enter a world of training. And um, every, every single person walks into the gym and is actually going to, they're going to naturally lead towards, lean towards one type of training, the training that they enjoy the most. But the problem with that is a lot of times women go in and the training that they enjoy the most, because we really do have an ability for, for endurance stuff. Women, I mean, our bodies are made to endure like labor. That's, that's like the biggest endurance. Like, like our bodies are made to handle pain, sit in it and endure. So we tend to really lean towards that endurance type stuff. And then when you tell a girl, okay, but, but in order for you to build muscle, you need to lead, uh, you need to lift weights. So what women try to do is they try to have the endurance plus the weights. And that's not really what's going to work. So what I mean by that is they do that a few ways. They'll go into the gym They'll do a set of three by 10 to 12, but in between, they won't just freaking rest, just rest, just give your body like 60 seconds, even that just to rest. They won't, they feel the need to, well, I can't just stand here. I've got to do jumping jacks. I've got to do crunches. I've got to bounce back and forth over the bench. I can't just sit here. It's like, well, no, that's actually exactly what you need to do. And and yes, you can do it, but we try to, we try to do that. So either women do it that way, try to bring in that sweat and that endurance type thing, Mm -hmm. or they try to, 
extend reps for way too long. So using bicep curls as an example, they'll do like, if I write a program, it's a tension-based program, maybe leaning a little bit towards strength. I'm telling them, okay, do like four to five sets of eight reps. And, and, and the last rep you're going to, take or set, you're going to take that to failure by the eighth rep, right? So that means you have to have substantial enough um, weight in order to hit failure. And failure is in this context will be, you're able to keep form. Form isn't breaking, but you're barely like able to finish that rep and you, you fail. You know, if you try to do it again, you'll only be able to do partial or, um, you'll have to like make some changes to the body and alter form to be able to finish it. Right. So that's failure in this context. Mm -hmm. So they'll hit failure and be like, awesome. Okay. My strength is gone, but I still feel like I have some gas left in me. So I'm just going to do a drop set and I'm just going to keep going until all of a sudden partials. And then I can't even barely do that. And I'll drop the weight again and I'll just keep going. And it's like, no, no. Like, they're trying to take these different types of training methods into strength training. Mm-hmm. And what it's doing is it's actually, it's, it's preventing them from really hitting their goals. So that's a huge one. Um, and that's hard. That's hard for women to give up the sweating, give up these weird, long extended 10 minute reps. And um, I know I've had clients tell me before, like, Oh, I, yeah, my strength failed, but I still had so much left in me. So I did this and this and this and this. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. The goal, the goal is not to annihilate the muscles. It's to stimulate them. And we stimulate them and then we go home and recover. If you've stimulated and then proceed to go beyond the mark that is needed, that can, one, start training other systems that we're not trying to train. And two, it can actually extend into now we have to extend the recovery. So you thinking, Oh, I, I need to keep going, going, going. Well, you need to recover from that now. So now we can't train in another three days. Now we're going to have to extend it another day. So you're shooting yourself in the foot and that, and then another thing I'll talk about training is that, um, women don't, don't take enough rest days. So they train six days a week trying to build muscle. And then you, and then you add on top of that, they're, they're trying to build muscle in a calorie deficit or near, and then they're not giving themselves enough rest. I mean, and, and the perfect storm is like, they literally do everything that I just barely said. They don't take enough rest days. They go in and they think that they need to annihilate the muscle um, and then they're not eating enough. So their body's barely being able to recover from what they're doing, probably not recovering from what they're doing. And then they're wondering, why am I not seeing changes in my body? I work so hard Yeah, you're working so hard, but you're not working smart and you're not allowing your body to recover. Like that's really what it comes down to. So a lot of women go in and they're like, well, I really want my glutes to grow. I'm going to train them three times a week. And every time I go in, I'm going to annihilate them. It's like, okay, well, so your glutes don't grow in the gym. They actually grow at home in recovery. 
So you're spending a lot of time annihilating, not allowing them to recover, and then wondering why nothing's changing. So I'd say that that sums up training-wise what I see most girls failing at in the gym. Okay. Again, so insightful. Would you say you more commonly see, hey, you're not growing because the stimulus is inadequate or because you're under-recovering? Ooh. Oh, that's a hard one. Um, it, it depends on the psychology of the individual. Mm-hmm. Like it really does. Like that's one thing, like it's interesting to take all of these courses and then to apply it over a broad range of women. It's right. fascinating because the mind plays a huge role in all of it. So what works for one woman will not work for another. And and my job as a coach is just trying to figure out how do I take how do I take their goals, their body, their mind and what what exercises they can actually perform well in the gym and take that all together and build a program that's going to allow them to have success. Not only that in the mind part I have to bring in a little fun factor. So Some girls don't like strength training. They need a little fun factor. How can I include that in there? So so when we're looking at overall success for an individual, from a coach's point of view, success, a successful coach will try. We don't always get it right. You know, we're doing our best guess and our best um, educated guess, depending on how educated the coach is. We're just trying our best to align all of these so that we can see the client be successful. But I will say it's very interesting, a response that I had to a recent, um, well, I guess it wasn't too recent, like three, four months ago, I started posting stories of me hitting failure in the gym and what my Mm -hmm. faces looked like, what I looked like, how it was for me. Like, um, (laughs) Anyways, I make some pretty ugly faces, but um, I'm not there to be pretty. So that's okay. I'm there to get strong. But um, it was really fascinating. I had so many clients and followers write me and say, you've just shown I've never taken myself to failure. And I'm like, wow. Wow. So, So what girls do is they show up in the gym and I think what they're doing is they're comparing what they see in the gym, like an, a girl will post or what they see on Instagram, a girl will post herself doing an exercise and she's all cute and her face is all great. And they think, oh, well, she has a great body. I just need to work like her. And then they go into the gym and they go through the motions and they don't actually push themselves. Right. So, and that's a hard thing as a coach who does online coaching to train people to mm-hmm. this is what failure and there are different types of failure. But if we're talking about like strength, neurological, those types of failure, that's hard because girls know what it feels like to fail cardiovascularly or metabolically, but how to fail on strength and then just leave it at that can be really hard to train them on. So one thing that I do have my clients do, and this is for form, but it's also to teach them how to push themselves, 
is when they send form videos to me, um, they are to send the form videos of them hitting failure. One, so I can see, are they really pushing themselves? And then they can kind of see, oh, I wasn't really pushing myself. (laughs) It's like, it looks like you could have done like four more reps. Okay, so up the weight next time because you're not pushing yourself. Um, And then also when we are getting closer to fatigue, our body starts making alterations. And so it's easier for me to spot weaknesses in lifts closer to fatigue. So that's usually what I have them send me. Okay. I love it. And we actually do the exact same thing with, okay, we have zero to one RAR. Okay. This is the week we want, like after we've established a good form on all these movements, this is where we want to see the most form videos because I agree. I think that's something that I've found the most helpful. And really like as a, as an online coach, if you're working with people like from a training perspective, it's hard to know how without a decent amount, at least of form videos, we could really take like individuals who didn't have good grasp on this before and like help them achieve a better result, at least from my perspective. Oh yeah, I would completely agree. And there are times when girls will send me form videos and I'm like, okay, we are not doing squats anymore. Like, right. and not that there's anything inherently wrong with squats. It's just that that individual came to me to see, to see growth in their glutes. I was trying to use squats to overload the length and mid for glutes. And I can see that you're not getting anything out of it. Like that's not where we're not going to, your form is not where it needs to be. Your control is not where it needs to be to have really good output for this to be a hypertrophy exercise for you. So it doesn't mean that I'll completely take squats out and they're never allowed to do them again. It's just that this is not a hypertrophy hypertrophy exercise for you because we can't get enough output on it. Right. Whether whether their mechanics, the psychology of having a bar on their back messes with a lot of people. It's just not working. So We'll keep that and we can maybe put it into another type of program where the load is a little bit lighter. We can work on getting you comfortable with that movement. And instead, I'm going to build your glutes with leg presses, with walking lunges and split squats, not with a bar on your back. So it's good to be able to see form videos so that I can know what to put into their programs and what not to. I love it. And I want to dive into exercise selection here in just a bit, but let's actually, while we're on a very similar topic, dig into kind of how you go about designing a mesocycle for a new client. So starting with, or basically a block of training for a new client. So starting with, okay, we're going to choose whatever training split. What are the main factors that you're considering when, okay, this is how I'm going to choose the best training split for this client. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. So it actually, it depends on a few things. It depends on their goals and it also depends on what training program that they were doing beforehand. So if somebody wants to do fat loss, they come in and they've been doing tons and tons of metabolic work. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes I will actually, and, and then, and a very common thing that I get to a lot is that women 
will come to me. They've been doing tons of metabolic, bouncy, bouncy, no rest stuff. And then on top of it, they're doing tons of cardio. And, and then on top of it, they have like 1400 calories. Like, let's say that they're like five, 530 pounds. And that's what they've been doing. Okay. 1300 calories. So that doesn't leave me very much room to do any type of fat loss, anything. So typically what I tell them is, okay, we're going to do a deload and we're going to use this to kind of resensitize your body to the types of stimuluses that we need in order to potentiate fat loss. So, so what I'll do is I'll have them actually for two weeks, I'll have them move into two, three weeks, move into more or even longer, maybe even like four or five weeks, move into more strength based stuff. And, um, and maybe we can do an upper body, lower body split four times a week. Just keep it really simple. We could do that. And then, um, and then I also, at the same time, I pull back on the cardio because if you're already doing all the cardio, I can't add any more to that. I can't drive this calorie deficit where we really need to go. So I'm, that sometimes can be hard to sell people on, but they need to trust me that you're to the point where there's nowhere to go. Like, what is this going to be a two week cut? Like, no, like, so let's do a deload and we're deloading the body from like the systems of the body that we've been, that this girl's already been using a lot and Mm -hmm. she's not getting much from it anymore. She's plateaued. So, okay. So insanity would be staying in that program. So let's move to another program so we can resensitize our systems to that. So strength, upper body, lower body split four times a week. I'll cut out their cardio, maybe even. And once again, it depends on the psychological or the psychology of the person. If I had my way, I would say no more cardio. Stop. Like just take a break from it. That's oftentimes very hard to do with girls. And so when we're speaking of reversing, cause that's actually what I'm going to do with this girl throughout this strength training program, I'm going to reverse her calories back up so that we can have room to go. But a lot of times it's hard to just say no more cardio. Girls are like, ah, but then I'll die. So we'll have to, a great part of a reverse that people oftentimes don't think about is um, we've got to reverse the cardio too. So I'm going to pull one to two weeks of cardio and I'm going to slightly raise the calories. Or sometimes I'll say, let's raise the calories. And then the next week I'll leave the calories there and I'll pull more cardio. And so we're slowly moving the energy balance back up to even we're getting it back up to um, maintenance. And then we'll sit there for a little bit. We'll do some maybe body recomp programming and then I'll drive them back into a cut. But that's kind of like, the approach that I'll take when the goal is body fat loss and they've already been doing literally everything. And for me, that's like, that's probably like 75% of my clients come to me saying mm-hmm. I'm, I've plateaued. This is what I've been doing. I'm like, okay, I know this isn't what you want to hear, but this is what we've got to do. Right. So okay. I don't know if that's I love it. Your- 
No, absolutely. And that's a really, this is a very good almost continuation again from the conversation with Cody, because what we talked through was all the different phases in this concept of trainability and how that applies to what program you should choose. So very much like this kind of going from theory to application here. So that's the perfect example of like a client who, hey, I have been pushing for fat loss. I've been doing all this metabolic work where it's okay to continue to see results. Like, again, we need to first look at short term versus long term, like for long term, it might be like more time reversing. And, and I, this is a very, it depends question, but in general, like this process of, okay, we are going to reverse up. We are going to spend more time in a neurological phase. How long would you say that phase typically lasts? Um, I don't know if I would put them in necessarily a neuro phase. I guess it just depends on what they've been doing, but um, we could get away with a bit of hypertrophy work, which some girls really like because then all of a sudden they feel really strong. Okay. Um, so, and everything just depends. I know everybody hates that answer, but it's true. And people need to start embracing that answer. <laughs> it just depends. It depends how long that phase is going to be. Um, most girls don't enjoy neurological work and, um, we can do intensity hypertrophy work. That's leaning a little bit towards neurological without jumping into body like you know powerlifting where girls are like i hate i already like struggle sitting here for 45 seconds to 60 seconds or 120 seconds and now you want me to sit here for like three four minutes so so there's um i i typically don't go to neuro very much um just just throwing that out there but but if you're looking at the spectrum of training we have metabolic, then we have in the middles more hypertrophy, and then towards this end is more neurological. And you can look at neurological as more powerlifting. And so um, spending time when the goal is building muscle, spending more time like around here is probably where we're going to put most of our time. When we want to lose body fat, we're going to spend more of our time maybe over here. But people are confused at times and they think, well, why am I doing a hypertrophy program if the goal is to lose body fat? It's like because there are some great adaptations that can be taken from hypertrophy that we can carry in to potentiate even greater fat loss. So we will move throughout this this spectrum, but um, and maybe a little bit over here if we're trying to you know really deload. But um, but deload periods, which I think was what you're asking, that can range, you know, two weeks. That can be like one to two weeks. And and sometimes I like to push it more because I'm like, I like, let's spend more time in these other training systems. We don't have to just spend all of our time in metabolic work. There's like such great benefits to staying in these strength. And then I love, I love it when girls kind of discover, wow, I love this. I love feeling strong. There's abs are great, but there's something about feeling strong that, um, that's actually what I think that the goal should be. And girls who look at the goal is I feel strong end up seeing the abs where the girls who obsess hyper obsess about abs. It's funny because I feel like they hardly ever see them. So chase strength. There really is something to that. I love that. Cool. Um, let's dig into then exercise selection, which again is going to be a very 
It depends. So I kind of want to talk through for you with your clients. What's the pro? Because earlier you referenced like, okay, this I saw a squat video. Okay, you're probably not going to do squats anymore. So how do you go about choosing or helping your clients choose the best exercises for building muscle? Um, so it just depends on what they want to build, right? So mm-hmm. let's just use, should we just use glutes as an example? I think that's a perfect example. Let's use that as an example. Um, because we've already touched on that a little bit where, and in a way I've, I've answered partially this question, where we want to choose exercises that you can, that you can execute well. If you suck at the exercise, but for some reason think that there's something like people get religious about exercises and they like get these weird ideas like you have to squat, you have to squat to build your glutes. And that's just not true because a person who sucks at squatting won't build their glutes or maybe a person who just constantly is knee flexion, knee flexion, knee flexion during that squat is going to build their quads, not going to build their glutes. Hey, Els, go talk to dad. Oh, she has her headphones on. I'm so sorry. Oh, you're quite all right. No worries. She has these huge headphones on. She can't hear me. So anyways, um, yeah. So if they can't, if they, maybe they're using their, oh man, I've used, I've seen people build huge erectors from (laughs) squatting and, and, uh, and deadlifts and no glutes from it. So having clients send in videos, um, when I'm onboarding them of certain movements, I can usually tell a few things. I can tell how neurologically advanced they are. Um, and this is like how I guess you could call this their training age in the gym. So people think I'm trained. I've been lifting weights for three, four years. I'm, I'm a trained individual now. And then they'll send in videos of them doing lifts. And I'm like, Oh, you, um, you're not, you think that you are, but you're actually quite inefficient. Your body is quite inefficient in its movements. So seeing how efficient they are in movements. And then, um, that's a huge one. So when they, when they first sign up with me, they usually have to send in a few, like I'll have a few, like even simple ones, like, like there's presses, there's bicep curls, lateral raises and squats. And I'll get an idea of where their body's at and how trained they are. And from there we can kind of decide, okay, so, so how can, what are the, the simplest exercises to build glutes? Well, there's the leg press. That one is, it can be, but it's a little harder for people to mess up. You know, if you tell them exactly where to put their feet and not to extend past their active range, then their glutes are going to work. Right. And so now let's just, now let's just really load up. Like that is a safe one. So when they're newer with me, like they're going to be doing safer exercises like that, especially when the goal is to build. So um, even like stationary, I've, 
I used to put in like, um, I, I don't put in walking lunges as much for new clients. They kind of have to show me that they know hip hinge, um, how to bias the glutes before I put it in for a glute specific workout. Um, otherwise I just kind of use it as an output workout, but that's kind of how I go about it is I watch and I think, okay, what, what is the easiest one to get the most output and the biggest bang for your buck when it comes to glutes, a leg or a a glute emphasis leg press is it because you have stability. So they don't have to worry about like the split squat, you know, the pelvis tilting and stuff. They're going to have stability and because they're in this stable environment, man, they can load up. Like my girls are like pressing 500 pounds, loading up that leg press. It's, it's awesome. They're feeling confident with it. And confidence is a huge thing. If you feel confident in an exercise, your, your output will increase, period. So yes, neurological efficiency is important, but also the mind. If they feel confident in the movement, they're going to they're gonna work hard. So I usually stick to kind of basics and then we can branch out from there depending on um, how advanced they are and, and their goals. I love it. I think that's very, very helpful. Again, like what's the simplest way or basically what's the biggest bang for my buck exercise? I think that's such a valuable thing too, because I think it's even, even like if we looked at your content, there are probably or any of our content, like there are probably some movements there where it's like, Hey, this might be a little bit more complex. And if you don't have a good, like basic, even like, like your neurological skill, like you might not be able to master this quite yet. And we'd probably be better off starting with a simpler variation. So I think that's such a good idea to put out there. Um, out of curiosity. And again, this is probably going to depend by phase, but when we are in a hypertrophy phase, how do you typically like to progress across the mesocycle, for example, like decreasing RIR, adding volume. Um, could you dig into that a bit? Oh yeah. So there can be some really fun ways, but it, yeah, it, it, depends. it depends. Um, I just barely got done programming a mechanical damage. So I'm just going to use this as an example. And, um, so there are some really fun ways to split up this. Oh, before I go, before I say this, I, I wanted to touch on a little bit of what you said, though, that there are Absolutely. more that there are more advanced moves. So, um, I haven't I have a subscription app where people can get training, and right now I have my training on there, so people can follow me every day, and they can do the same programming that I'm doing. The problem with that, like that's great and it's fun, right? It's fun to know that girls are doing the same thing as me and they're getting, they get excited about that. But I'm in a mechanical damage program right now. And I just barely, um, part of my glute work from Monday was a a no touch deadlift, but it's a glute emphasis. So Mm -hmm. there, there's like there's these little cues that you need to know to make sure that that's a glute emphasis and, and it doesn't just turn into some all lower body work. Um, and then after that, I move into a, a split squat. So my back foot is elevated. It's a glute emphasis, but it's actually, I call it a sissy 
split squat because the front leg crosses over and we're actually, so there's three divisions of the glutes that we're trying to work. And this is more of the iliac, the outer part of the glute. Now for somebody who's been training a long time, who knows biomechanics, knows the anatomy and knows exactly what I'm trying to hit. Even for me, not every rep is going to be perfect, but I'm going to get far more out of that than somebody who's newer in lifting. And they're like, I'm not feeling it where you say I should feel it. I'm not like, I don't know how, like, am I supposed to do this and this? And so on my Facebook group, there were a lot of girls saying like, I didn't like this exercise. And I'm like, I completely understand because this is my program. And I've done this exercise numerous times. I know how to make it efficient. Whereas you just probably should stick with the basic back foot elevated split squat, not trying to bias the outer portion of the, right? Like that's going to drive some girl insane because they're like, I'm just trying to bias glutes. I don't care if it's outer, inner, whatever. And so I think we have to be careful too. Um, I'm learning I need to be more and more careful about even what I share mm-hmm. because the general masses don't need to know how to bias that. But also you have to realize as a consumer, um, you have a responsibility to understand that maybe somebody has been doing this longer than you, and maybe you should just take a simpler approach. So that's just throwing that out there from what you said. It just made me think about that. No, I love that. And that is a very good point. I've seen the same thing where even like for my clients, sometimes if I'm like talking about, okay, so I learned this exercise and I really love this from my iliac lats. Then like my clients are all like, Hey, I don't think that I feel like this very specific point in my lat exactly. And it's like, Hey, we're almost like the amount that you're thinking about this has gotten to be a little bit detrimental. So I think like on the other side, it's like, Hey, sometimes there is something to be said for like, let's simplify this a little bit more, which I think is kind of where more or less where you're coming from that as well. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. For some people, it's like, oh, it doesn't matter if you're working the iliac division of the glutes, the glute max. It What matters is that you're just working the glute max. So any portion of it is going to do the trick. And I, I just think that there's wisdom in knowing the difference between optimization for an athlete who's there, who who can do that and who it's worthwhile for them to do it. While somebody else, it's like, get into the gym and do a variation of this and you're still going to see benefits. And it's like what you said, overthinking it oftentimes will get you into more trouble than not. So for example, I mean, I'm so many of us have heard this girl saying, well, I didn't feel it in my glutes, whatever exercise I'm having them do. I didn't feel that in my glutes. I'm like, okay, well stand up. Did you feel that in your glutes? Probably not, but yet it is absolutely impossible for your glutes to not have done that movement. Absolutely impossible. So this this desire to fixate on the feel a lot of times, I will, and today I was doing a, um, I was doing a mentoring call and it was with a very advanced client. And so I actually asked, how did you feel? <laughs> For a, for a newbie lifter, I don't necessarily ask them that question because they may 
feel it everywhere. Like we're just trying to get the movements down, but this guy knows his body. And so it was beneficial to ask that question where a newbie lifter go through the motions. Your body actually knows better than you. So, and, and now I can't even remember what the original question, what the other was. I'm sorry. You know, I think, I think we're kind of on the, the same page with all this. No, uh, and this is very much tied into kind of where I was going next. I actually wanted to dig a little bit into like mind muscle connection and how much stock you take in that, but more or less, it sounds like you're saying, let's kind of try to put your body, put the muscles in a position to be accessible successful not accessible successful by making sure your execution is on point and then be less concerned with like trying to put your brain inside the muscle and really like think about squeezing and contracting super hard throughout the entire movement right yeah because what a lot of people don't realize is as the muscle contracts and you get into a shortened position you are going to have a lot more mind muscle connection with that shortened position you're going to feel it more. It is the reason why girls will feel it more when they're doing a glute bridge versus maybe a, um, maybe a glute emphasis squat or even a glute, even a glute emphasis, uh, leg press. But I, can we do more? This is the question I get a lot. Can we do more, uh, glute bridges? I feel it more like, yeah, you do feel it more because we're working the muscle in a shortened position and you are going to feel that more. When it's lengthened, the sensation is very different. So you're comparing a leg press or a squat in more of the lengthened position being overloaded to a glute bridge where it's a shortened position being overloaded. The sensations are going to be different. So a lot of times chasing the sensation will make people do the weirdest things in the world that are very counterproductive. And oftentimes, increase the likelihood of injury. I cannot tell you time and time again. It just, just, just set up right and allow the body to do its thing. You're just going to cause injury doing weird frog pump crap stuff. I love that, um, especially like touching on the short position. Where again, like if we only train with the movements that we, like we felt best, like again, like okay, glute bridges okay, this is always what I feel the most in my glutes, but we're missing out on like, okay, we're not training the mid-range. We're not training the length of position. Your, your results are going to be a lot worse, but it'll feel like you're always doing something. But like you said, if you're doing frog pumps, it might feel like you're always doing something in booty band work, but we're not going to see the changes from it, right? Exactly. And that is a huge one that girls do. So working muscles constantly in that shortened position, especially the way that the girl that girls do it and men do it too, with, with, um, lower rest periods, all it's going to cause is sarcoplasmic hypertrophy at best. Like all it's going, meaning all you're going to do is you're going to get a nice pump and you're going to feel awesome at the gym, but then you wonder how come the pump doesn't get bigger? How come my glutes aren't getting bigger? Because I'm feeling it. And in the gym, it's big. And it is because you chase the pump. And that's very common between both men and women. Um, That was something that I did wrong for years. I chased the pump and it was fun. It was fun because at the end of the workout, I got to go find the best downcast lighting in the gym. And I got some awesome pictures of that pump, but my muscles weren't growing. So, yeah. 
I love it. All of this has been super applicable. We are already almost at an hour that flew by, but I feel like truly there are so many nuggets in here and so many takeaways for all the listeners. Um, before I let you go, because I do want to be respectful of your time, will you just tell everyone where they can find you and anything at all that you would like to plug? Yeah. Um, lifting, lifting Lindsay on Instagram. I don't do Facebook or anything (laughs) except for like, I have a private group on Facebook that you can find, but that's just for like my app users and my clients. But I love sharing about, um, I love bridging the gap between like biomechanics and what's optimal versus what, what we really should be worried about and doing in the gym. So I, I love like the scientific stuff. I think it's really fun, but application of that can vary. And that's something that I like to teach um, on Instagram. So yeah, that's me. Perfect. And I think you did a great job of that in this episode. Um, and I can't, I get recommended off that everyone listening, go give you a follow. I know I've learned so much from just following along with your content. So thank you for putting that out there. And again, thank you so much for being here. This has been great. Awesome. Thank you for having me.